those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Christmas. My name is Adam. I'm the lead pastor here and it's great to have you with us. If this is your first time with us, if someone's invited you along, if someone's dragged you along, like Ben said, we're really glad to have you with us today. Why don't we put our hands together and thank uh, Gavin and Hanno for that uh, beautiful piece of music. Just beautiful. You know, I want to begin today by showing you a picture It'll come up on the screen. I wonder if you've seen this image floating around on social media this year. If you can read it, it shows you the relative importance of certain items in 2020. So you can see that the need for coffee has remained consistently high across the year. The importance, though, of driving and shaving has dropped off. But the internet and track pants have become a little bit more important this year. Not to mention toilet paper, which also had a surge in popularity this year. Who would have ever thought that we would be fighting over toilet paper? Another thing that fell off the radar in 2020 was flying. I think this might have been the first year in a long time that I haven't got on a plane. 
Now, if you can remember back to the last time that you got on a plane, there was something incredibly important that happened. But I almost guarantee that you were paying absolutely no attention whatsoever. And of course, I'm talking about the safety announcement. Every time you get on a plane, there will be a safety talk, which is completely understandable. I mean, a plane is a 500,000 kilogram tube of metal that hurtles through the air at 900 kilometers an hour with a whole heap of people on board. It's no wonder there's a safety talk. And yet the shocking truth is that most of us don't pay any attention. When the air steward tells us or shows us how to put on the oxygen mask, we're not really paying attention. When they tell us to look for our nearest emergency exit, we don't look. Why? Well, because we're all thinking the same thing. It's the safety talk. I've heard it so many times before. What could they possibly tell me that I haven't already heard? I don't know if you saw this, but a couple of years ago, there was a flight in the United States from New York to Dallas, and they had to make an emergency landing. An engine blew up, and a piece of shrapnel went through the window, and the cabin decompressed, and the oxygen masks dropped down as they should. But there was a photo posted online that showed every single person in that photo wearing the oxygen mask the wrong way. <laughs> they all had it over their mouth when you should also have it over your nose as well. When the safety announcement comes on, we think, what could I possibly hear that I haven't heard before? Now, the reason I bring this up is because I think this is how many of us think about Christmas. We think it's the Christmas story. I've heard it so many times before. What could you possibly tell me that I haven't already heard? Baby Jesus in a manger, shepherds, angels, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it all before. This is what many of us think about Christmas. But I think that this year, we might be more willing to pay attention, to consider whether the Christmas story might have something important to say to you and to me. And the reason I think we might be more willing to listen this year is because of the year that we've had. But as I've already mentioned, 2020 has been a unique year. Not only have we run low on toilet paper, we've also run low on patience trying to homeschool our children. We've spent too much time on Zoom. We've spent too much time on Netflix, on social media. I mean, it has been a unique year. But it's also been, I think, a very difficult year for many of us. Many of us have faced some pretty significant difficulties this year. Some of us have lost jobs. Some have lost businesses. Some of us have lost relationships or loved ones. And many of us, we can't be with our family this Christmas because of travel restrictions. Personally, if I think back on the year that's been, there have been some hard moments. In April, I had to bury my uncle unexpectedly, and only 10 people could be there. A couple of months ago, I had to bury my Alma, my grandma, and I didn't get to see her very much this year because of restrictions. I mean, if we're honest, it feels like this year has been filled with bad news. And this is why I, find, I think we might be more willing to listen to some good news. And this is exactly what Christmas is. Christmas is an announcement of good news. 
This is exactly what the angel said to the shepherds in that passage in Luke 2 that we just read a moment ago in verse 10. The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That is the message of Christmas. This is the message of Christianity, that with the birth of Jesus, there has been an invasion of good news. There has been an explosion of great joy, and it is for all people. And in fact, this is what I just hope to show us in our brief time together this morning. That Christmas is good news of great joy for all people. And I'm not just talking about the person sitting next to you or the person who invited you this morning. I'm talking to the person sitting in your seat. Christmas is good news of great joy for all people and that includes you. Now to help us see this, I just want to explore three things that we see about this good news in Luke chapter 2. I want to make three observations about this good news of Jesus' birth. The first is this. This good news is reliable. This good news is reliable. Now, a few years ago, there was a wedding that happened at a Star Trek convention. And this wedding actually made the news not just because a Star Trek fan actually got married. I'm glad you laughed because last night basically no one laughed and I think I just offended every single person in the auditorium. <laughs> if you're a Star Trek fan, I apologize, I'm just joking. Now why this wedding made the news, it was because the wedding was conducted entirely in Klingon, the Star Trek language. Now, when you hear that, you might think it is possible to take a story too far. I mean, it's nice that they like Star Trek, that they're inspired by Star Trek, but it's not real. You shouldn't take it so seriously. And the fact is, this is how many people think about the Christmas story. It's a nice story. It's nice that you're inspired by it, but it's not real. It's fiction. You shouldn't take it so seriously. But notice how Luke reports what happened on the night of Jesus' birth. Now, to give you some context, Luke was a doctor, a physician, and a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. And Luke wrote an account of Jesus' life and ministry. It's what we call a gospel. There are four of them in the New Testament. And Luke went to great lengths to ensure that we can have confidence in what he's written down for us. In fact, here's what he says right at the beginning of his gospel. He says, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke has carefully investigated everything. He's looked into everything. He's interviewed witnesses. He's corroborated stories. And he's put together an orderly account so that we can have confidence in what he's writing. Luke wants us to know that what he's telling us actually happened. It's not mythical, but it's historical. And this is why when Luke begins to tell us about the birth of Jesus, he does not begin by saying once upon a time. He says, in the days of Caesar Augustus, while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now we know about these figures from history. Augustus was Caesar, the head of the Roman Empire. He reigned from 27 BC to AD 14. 
Quirinius was governor of Syria, a land which included the region of Israel. We know about these figures from history, which means we know roughly when these things happened. We also know where these things happened. Luke tells us it took place in Bethlehem. That's a town on a map that you can still visit to this day. Maybe not today, but hopefully in the future you might be able to visit Bethlehem. Luke is telling us when and where these things happen. He wants us to know, they're historical, not mythical, that they happened at a real place and at a real time. And this is really important for us to note because many people will say today that if there are spiritual realities, like God and heaven and angels and so forth, then they are unverifiable, unprovable. After all, how do you prove the existence of God? How do you prove the existence of angels and heaven and so forth? There was one Russian cosmonaut one time, he went into space and he came back and he very confidently declared, he said, there is no God out there. There's no heaven up there. And C.S. Lewis, who was around at the time, the great British novelist, he actually responded to this Russian cosmonaut and he said, if there is a God, we would not find him by just going out into the air. We would not relate to God that way, like a man on the first floor relates to a man on the second floor. Now, C.S. Lewis said, if there is a God who created us, we would relate to him the way that Shakespeare relates to Hamlet. Shakespeare created Hamlet's world and he created Hamlet himself. And so the only way that Hamlet is going to know anything about Shakespeare, it's if he reveals some information about himself in the play. And this is the same for God and for us. The only way we're going to know anything about God is if he reveals himself to us. And this is the incredible, shocking claim of Christmas. That God has not just revealed some information about himself, but that God has written himself into the story. That God has come to live in our neighborhood. That God has left a massive dent in human history in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is a dent which is verifiable. You can investigate it. You can scrutinize it. And so the question is, have you investigated the massive dent that Jesus Christ has left in human history? Have you looked into this? If Jesus really is who he claimed to be, God with us, this is far too important to ignore or to put off. In fact, let me be so bold as to say, if Jesus Christ really is who he said he is, then he demands more of us than just coming to church once a year on Christmas. Now, it's so great that you're here. We're glad that you're here. You're welcome here. But if Jesus Christ really is who he said he is, and he demands more of us than one morning a year. He demands even more than just church attendance. He demands our entire lives. Because he's not just a religious add-on. He's not just an optional extra. He is God with us. If you do want to investigate this further, if you do want to explore Jesus further, a great way to start would simply to be to read the Gospel of Luke. You know, if you've written off or rejected the claims of Jesus, but you've never read one of the Gospels as a thinking adult, then I would simply say you don't have enough information yet. 
And I would encourage you to encounter the real Jesus in one of the Gospels. And I think you might discover what we see here in Luke 2, that this good news about Jesus is reliable. The second thing we see about this good news is that this good news is important. Now, as I was going over my notes, I realized that the word important is not strong enough. I mean, it's important that you submit your tax returns on time. But this good news about Jesus, if it's true, it's life-changing. It's world-changing. And we see this in Jesus' birth announcement in verse 11. Look what is said on the night of Jesus' birth. Verse 11, the angel says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Now, unlike your average birth announcement, we're not told anything about Jesus' weight, Jesus' length, we're not given a picture, but we are told something incredibly important about Jesus. We are told why he has come. We're told what Jesus has come to do, and it's summarized in the word Savior. Jesus has come to save, to rescue, to redeem. And so the question becomes, Well, what has Jesus come to save us from? Because if you're walking down the street and someone runs up to you and they say, I have come to save you, I guarantee you're going to think, from what? You probably will start to think, I'd like to be saved from you right about now. After all, most people in our day don't feel in peril. Most people don't feel in need of saving. I mean, we're comfortable, we're educated, we're enlightened, we have our smartphones, we live in the suburbs, in our nice homes, we have food on the table. What could we possibly need saving from? Let me ask you this question. With all of the technology we have today, with all of the education we've received, with all of the comforts we enjoy, do you think that our world is becoming a brighter place? Even in our own city of Brisbane, which I think is one of the best places to live in the world, there is so much anxiety, sadness, tension, anger, division, dissatisfaction, disappointment. Even in the very best places, our world can be a dark place. Now, I know that this is a little bit cliche, a preacher banging on about how dark the world might be. I get that. But I think if we're honest, we would admit that our world is not the way it's supposed to be. That there's something that's gone wrong. And if we're being really honest, we would admit it's not just out there. It's in here as well. Because our own hearts can lead us down some dark paths. And the question is, what's gone wrong? What's the problem? Why are we this way? And the Bible uses a very, very small word to describe our very, very big problem. And we see this word in Matthew's account, another gospel of Jesus' birth, where an angel says to Joseph, he says, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. According to the Bible, sin is our great problem. The problem that Jesus came to rescue us from. Now I know that sin is not a popular word today. It might sound like an archaic word to you, but it's an incredibly important word. It describes what has gone wrong with our world at the deepest level. 
it tells us why our world is fractured, and it's because our relationship to God is fractured. We have rejected God. We have rebelled against God. We have turned away from God. We've lived our lives as if God doesn't exist or as if God doesn't matter. And this is what the Bible calls sin. And the good news of Christmas is that this is exactly what Jesus came to deal with. And the coming of Jesus shows us that God has not ignored us, turned away from us, or rejected us, but he has come for us. And he has come to restore our fractured relationship. And he has come to bring us home to him. If we will have eyes to see, this is the most wonderful news in the world. This is the most precious news in the world. Because of Christ, we can know God. We can experience his peace. We can receive his pardon. We can walk in his light. We can know his love. And we can have hope beyond the grave. The most glorious, precious news in the world. And this news was incredibly precious for a young man, Samuel Payton, many years ago. Samuel Payton was a 21-year-old convict in Sydney in 1787. And he was sentenced to death by hanging. And he would have just been any other name in the convict log except for a letter that he wrote to his mother on the night before his hanging. An officer came across this letter, was moved by it, and so recorded it in his journal. And that's how we have it today. And I want to just read for you some of the lines from Samuel's letter. It's what he says. He says, My dear mother, with what agony of soul do I dedicate the last few moments of my life to bid you adieu. This hour tomorrow I shall have entered into eternity. Impelled by that strong propensity to do evil, I have fallen an unhappy, though just, victim to my own foolishness. For these and all my other transgressions, I supplicate the divine forgiveness. And encouraged by the promise of that Savior who died for us all, I trust I shall yet experience that peace which this world cannot give. I bid you farewell. In the face of his sin, Samuel found forgiveness. In the face of darkness, light. In the face of death, hope. And this is why Christmas is such good news. It's good news of great joy for all people. And this leads us to our final point, and that is simply that this good news is for you. This is what the angel said to the shepherds in verse 10, that I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The good news is not just for the shepherds. It's not just for the religious people. It's not just for those who have gone to church all their life. It's not just for those who've never gone to church. It's not just for good people, bad people, black people, white people, rich people, poor people. It is for all people. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've walked in here, no matter what you have going on, there's nothing you've done that can keep you out. And there's nothing you have to do to earn your way in. Jesus has done it all for all who will place their trust in him. It's the best news in the world. And it was this good news that Samuel Payton understood. Now, there were a number of journals at the time that recorded his hanging. Apparently, it was a cold, windy day in June in Sydney. When at 11.30 a.m., he ascended the gallows. And according to a witness, he made an eloquent and well-directed speech. He admitted his guilt and he asked for forgiveness. And another witness says he died penitent. We would say he died in the embrace 
of his Savior. Because Christianity has always said that Jesus died for petty thieves like Samuel Payton. And Jesus even died for people like you and me. For any and all who will turn to him. It's good news of great joy for all people. And so the question is, is it good news for you? It can be. You know, Jesus was once asked, what does God want us to do? What does God want from us? And he replied, believe in the one whom God has sent. And this is more than just intellectual belief. You don't just believe in Christ like a planet. He exists, he's out there, he's far off. And you believe in Christ like a plane. You get on board, you join him, and he will carry you safely all the way home. That's the good news of Christmas. Good news of great joy for all people. What about you? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have not left us in the dark. Thank you that we are not hopeless and helpless, but we have a saviour a rescuer, a redeemer. We have one who has paid the penalty of our sin on our behalf so that we might come home to you. Lord, this is the best news in the universe. And I pray that it might be good news for every single one of us in this building, that we all might turn to Jesus in faith and in trust to receive the gift that we have not earned, that we do not deserve, but that you freely give. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for this blessing from Luke chapter 2, which we read a moment ago, which the angels sang out on the night of Jesus' birth. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. God bless. Merry Christmas.